Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I'm the Gnarly Gnome. This is Cincy Brewcast. It's the voice of Cincy Craft. It is a, if, if you're new to the show, uh, this is a craft beer podcast. We talk about Cincinnati craft beer. We travel around from taproom to taproom, from brewery to brewery. Uh, we sit down, we talk to the, the owners, the brewers, the, 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 the drinkers of Cincinnati craft beer, because who doesn't love to uh, have a uh, delicious cold craft beer on a uh, on a Saturday? Uh, this is um this is a fun show. I have not sat down here for uh, it, uh I've not had uh, today's guest on the show for almost a year. We weren't here <laughs> then. Um, it's been around a year. Um, the world continues to uh, to <laughs> the chaos that is. <laughs> I wish I wish this was a video show. We have right a now. universe going around <laughs> us right now. Andy Reynolds, welcome back to the show. Hi, Alexandria Brewing Company. Um, uh, th- this is all right. It's fine. It's he he's doing the same amount as my boy. Don't worry. There, sorry, there, there are kids playing around us. That's the uh, the the joke right now. Um, we um we well I I shouldn't say we because I had nothing to do with brewing this beer. You absolutely did. Um, I was on the text message uh string text text uh what do you what do you call it a text uh chain t- chain I don't know. chain string uh text group group group. We, I was on the messages, and um not being a brewer or um somebody who knows anything about making beer, I had very little to contribute to that conversation. <laughs> I think you made the best contribution <laughs> in general, though. But um, we we made a beer, and this is going to be very complicated to explain because it's called All the Andes. Brewed by some um, of the Andes. Yeah, brewed by some of the Andes because some of the Andes were not able to make it. Some of us uh, you, you don't know are named the same. <sighs> All of the Andes and a gnome. I don't know how to. <laughs> you guys, You guys will figure it out, especially if you listen to it was the last week's episode where Merrill called me by my actual name like 37 times during the episode. You guys get the point. Um, I, I may have a name that is related to this beer, but... Um, may or may not. May, may or may not. I cannot confirm nor deny, but we should drink it. I'm going to guess that it is this button. From the beer Look friend. at that. I'm two she for did two. It twice. Uh, all the Andes brewed by some of the Andes. This is a IPA. Double IPA, I guess. It's definitely a double IPA. Aged in gin barrels. New Riff gin barrels. Are we allowed to say New Riff gin barrels? How does that work in in the the world of of barrels? I know some places. Some places don't, but we we got a pretty good partnership with New Riff. Um, If if New Riff does not like that I said that, feel free to sue me, New Riff, and um, we can can address that then. I I really doubt you'll get that, considering one of the Andes that made this worked for a brewery, and now he works for New Riff. He he hasn't started yet. I. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> he may, we may have just got him fired. <laughs> I hope not. No, I, I, we, Dean, Dean is up here, and I don't know if you've ever met Dean I've, at all. I've he's, met him. Yeah, he, he's the plant manager down there, so he, he's, he's regular up here. And then, then Brian Sprance, which is their head distiller, is, is a friend of mine. It's, it's down here. Yeah, I know. They're I know. I, everything in the world. Yeah, but I'm up on a hill. <laughs> you go down <laughs> a hill to get hill. to him. <laughs> So uh, at one point you could sit on top of the hill and see the Budweiser Clydesdales right over on the other side. I absolutely could. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good story, guys. <laughs> That's when we got accused of being bought. We're, we're already like way off track. Let's talk about this beer. Double IPA. Uh, tell me about the beer. Tell me because I don't really. Do you remember all the uh, ingredients that were I, kind I, of decided I got it on? on tap? Oh, perfect. What we did was we all just kind of started talking. Uh, this has been an idea that is. Uh, bounced around for a really, really long time. Uh, Andy Foltz over at uh, uh, a Casual Pint in Hamilton has um, been spearheading, trying to make this happen, and we wanted to do it for their anniversary, which, as as you guys know, if you listen to this show, uh, happened a while back. <laughs> but uh, we 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 made it happen. <laughs> yeah. And so we all just kind of uh, started throwing out ingredients, and um, uh, everybody kind of just threw out some of their favorite beer ingredients and we, we put them into an IPA, right? Yeah. Is that the, yeah. The I mean, that was kind of, of the gist of it is, is we were, all, well, first of all, I mean, we were fortunate enough here to be able to brew it um, because it worked with our schedule. Right. I think anybody would have taken it. Honestly, I right. think we were all kind of excited about it. Um, so should we say who was involved first? Yeah, I, I guess we can. Um, so we had Andy Bird from Braxton. 
um, Andy Foltz from Casual Pint, Andy Clausen from Paradise Brewing, Andy McLeese from Brink, and then I'm an Andy. The gnarly too. gnome. And then, and then, then the gnarly gnome who may or may not Which be is very an Andy. confusing if you don't know. Um, so I, I got it here on Untapped. Is uh, Bird was the one who suggested that he said it had to be on wood. And we kind of settled on gin barrels for an IPA because right. I think that worked the best, right? Um, Which I don't know that I've ever had a gin barrel aged IPA before. I think this I, might I've be never first. heard of such a thing. So, so yeah, I, I, I was the first like, one in the world you heard. You heard I don't heard. know if that's true, but <laughs> there has to be somebody that's done it. Yeah, I guarantee there is. Um, then uh, there's an Andy that may or may not be an Andy that said we definitely don't need fruit. <laughs> that was his contribution. Um, then Andy Foltz from Casual Pint said Mosaic Hops. Andy Clawson said he wanted Vienna Malt and uh, Galena Hops, which is a weird hop strain to pick in the right. first place. Um, Andy McLeese said Maris Otter Malt and Galaxy Hops. And then I just picked Simcoe because I was kind of tasked with developing the rest of the recipe for it, too. Uh, so uh, complete disclosure here. I hate Simcoe. Hate it. It yeah. is my least favorite it's, hop it's by favorite. far. <laughs> um, weird. But what always messes me up about um, things like that that I, in my head, I don't like, I don't, I don't taste the cat pee thing that I don't like about Simcoe well, that, in this beer. That was so something when I was that, at that sorry. blend. But like sometimes, like one hop with another one works very differently than that hop with another one or by itself or whatever. I, I think that that's the trick with Simcoe because if you overdo Simcoe, you get cat pee. It doesn't matter. Right. Um, but you know, I've heard that about Galaxy though too. That some yeah, people well, get a Galaxy, lot of from Galaxy and um, Amarillo is another big one that that does that too. Um, actually, Amarillo I think is the highest percentage of people that think they get the cat. Yeah, out I'm, of it. I'm hunting for cat and I don't get it. It's good. Well, it, it's it, it's seriously it could be as much as one hop pellet with Simcoe that puts it over the line. But I've made beers that have been solid, almost completely Simcoe, and nobody knows the difference. Right. It, it, it's bizarre, right? I mean, it, it, I guess that's why taste is so subjective. How do you take all of these goofy ingredients that people throw out there and create a recipe that turns into something like this? Well, I mean, you know, there, there's so a certain we, understanding of how you build a recipe. But when you've got some, when you've got place. things like Vienna malt and Maris Otter, which are very, uh, very distinctive kind of, of malts. Yeah adding them into uh, an IPA recipe and trying to find the way to, to use them to where they're, they're still there. But this is not, this is not a Maris Otter beer. It's not an English kind of. Well, yeah. So, so usually Maris Otter. Now we, we use mostly um, two row in it, just regular two row right. pale malt instead of, instead of Maris Otter. But there's, there's a significant amount. I think it's like 35% Maris Otter in this. Yeah, I think that's, so. That's awesome. Um, but, Maris Otter kind of tends to have, like, when it's when it's not the main malt, it tends to just kind of balance things out and smooth it out, if that makes any sense. It's a, like, it gives it a different kind of body for me. Like, it gives yeah. it kind of a, a bigger a bigger body. I, yeah, I know, that's, I, that's I know what you to... mean. It, it, I always think of it as a smoother palate for some reason. Yeah. Um, but then uh, the Vienna, is, is a, at its heart, is really a caramel malt, but it's not. It, it's a kiln malt. Highly kilned malt, um, so you get a little bit of residual sweetness from that Vienna is, is where that sweetness is coming from in this beer. But it's not like, I mean, clearly if you look at it, this isn't like a really dark beer at all. You right. know, it's a nice golden color. Um, so I don't know. I mean, it's 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 about, I don't know. I mean, it, I, I really don't. I just know what I know when it comes to making an IPA, and and that's what we looked at, honestly. This is still like it's it's a fantastic double IPA. I mean, it's it tastes very true to style, which I don't know. I'd have to look at you know style guidelines of what makes an IPA. I I don't know that um, things like Maris well, Otter. Are, it, it, are it's that. not. It, it's not. But that's that's kind of what's cool about it. Well, you know, it went in the barrel is is what most people would consider a single IPA. I think it went in right. the barrel at six percent, and when it came out, it was eight point nine. But a lot of that had to do with Bird and I kind of figuring it out because he's never cold aged, so we cold aged the barrel, and that's that's just a weird process. Cold age meaning you 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 filled the barrel and then threw it in the cooler, right? Well, I filled it in the cooler is what okay. I did. So I, I sat there and I and we kind of discussed that, and, and the main goal was to just swell the barrel as much as I could. So for twenty min- minutes for each of the three barrels we used, 
I sat there with 120 degree water and just sprayed the barrel, just kept rolling it over, rolling it over the outside, heating it up as much as I could. Then I put it in the walk and put our bulldog in it, which is what we used to fill it. And it, and it was a well, puppy. Yeah. Yeah. But, <laughs> but just filled it, filled the barrel inside the walk in and, as it was doing, I mean, the walk-in smelled like this gin <laughs> IPA madness going on. It was it was phenomenal. I mean, I think I think if I could have captured that aroma, we we probably have like the best beer ever known to man. But it, it just never it didn't turn out that way, you know, because it sat on wood. Putting an IPA in, in barrels in general isn't something you see a ton of. Right. I mean, it's 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 definitely done. You see kind of barrel aged IPAs, but usually they're they're not. Well, in my experience, they're not awesome. They, uh, uh, you lose all of the character that you want from an IPA, and it just becomes like a barley wine-ish thing. Yeah, and, and that that tends to be the case. But you know, that's also because they're not. It's not cold age. Is it, but is it is it a is it a heat thing? Is it a an oxygen in the barrel that kind of does that? Something all, like what all that. Um, this does not. Well, we also, I, every time I fill a barrel, I purge it with CO2 first too. I, which is I just, assume some of those places that I've had shitty barrel aged IPAs from are also doing that though, right? <laughs> I, <can't, laughs> would, I can't speak to anybody, but what I do, I would assume that that would be a normal practice before yeah. you put anything in a barrel. I, I, I know I can think of a specific local brewery that's no longer in existence. <laughs> okay. I think that I, uh, I think I already know that put a video about. out where they were putting cocoa nibs in their mouth and letting it fall down into a funnel into the barrel. <laughs> no, no, not the one I'm thinking of. Well, maybe, but <laughs> but you know, did they know to purge that with CO2? I I, I got to say probably not because they didn't know to let <laughs> cocoa nibs fall out of your mouth and put let it go into the barrel because that's definitely. Your mouth has a lot of bacteria in it, whether you like it or not. <laughs> but but even aside from the bacteria, there are things that are definitely enemies of beer, especially the hops in beer, um, that when you start to throw a barrel into it can can complicate things. Uh, and that's honestly like Andy Bird worked at uh, Braxton Barrel House. And um, he uh, that was a conversation we had is we, if it's going to be an IPA, we've got a we've got a cold agent. And how how much cold storage do I have versus how much cold storage he had? And it was are we going to brew it here and then transport the barrels over there? And that was kind of, it didn't make enough sense, you know, and we've got a big enough walk-in that Christopher, in fact, that it made sense to toss it in. walk-in guys. Yeah. Christopher walk-in. The, so the aging process of beer in barrels, we've, we've always heard, you know, when you talk about bourbon in barrels, that part of what kind of, contributes a lot of that woody flavor is that uh, expansion, contraction, the, the, the bourbon being sucked into the wood and spit back out because the temperature changes. Right, right. You're not going to get any of that when you start talking about throwing things in well, cold storage, right? What we got is we heated the barrels up to, I mean, my water runs about 140 degrees. So we, we heated them up to roughly, let's just say to 130. Kind of swell them up and yeah. kind of get them real and open. They were hot. And, and then what, what it basically, the way I kind of think about it is that we wrung a sponge of gin out. So all the gin trapped in that wood, we when we put it and let it cool down, we just wrung that sponge out and never contract or never expanded back out to absorb anything else. Right. So we got a lot of oak age gin into the beer, but we never got the beer into the oak. That's why it's not very oaky. Does this mean that there is a bunch of this beer trapped inside the barrel right now? Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if we yeah. can bring the barrel out. Well, though. I don't know. I don't know. It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be honestly but, but because no, it, it, if if you've got the sponge that you you expand, well, you get you all expand of that stuff heat, out, you and expand. then you put the beer in there and then put it in cold, or you put it in cold storage and then put the beer in there and then it's contracting back up. It should be sucking some of that beer back up, right? Well, when was, it's contracting, it's not sucking anything up. It's just squeezing out what's in there, right? It should be pulling something with it, right? No, I don't know how that works. So oh, when, when it when it right heats, it, it swells up and the pores in the wood open up. Right. And then when it's cold, it closes up and all those pores close. So where all so those pores so are. When, when the wood is expanding, things are. Beer's going into, going into, into the pores. And that's where it's absorbing are contracting, the wood. It squeezes it out. It's like yeah, wringing out a sponge. Make, I guess that kind of makes sense. Yeah. I'm so that's, that's I, kind of what Bert and I had this conversation about is, is what makes the most sense with this. I need a piece of the barrel. I need to chew on it right now and see <laughs> yeah. what it tastes like. <laughs> Got him right the answer there. is wood. It tastes like wood, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it was. I don't know. It, it, it's weird because you think at New Rift, their their bourbon or their 
barrel-aged gin is a bourbon barrel that they right. aged bourbon in in the first place, and then they put their gin in it. So in theory, you would think you'd get some bourbon out of this too. We get absolutely no bourbon. No. I only get straight. No. I get gin, but I don't get any barrel at all with it. I see. I get a little bit of barrel, especially when it's when it's super cold coming right out of the tap. I yeah, get more maybe. of that. That w- and you know, a lot of people say that when you're tasting wood, you're not really tasting wood. You're tasting tannins or whatever. I, I taste wood. Doesn't matter. It's the same um, thing. As it warms <laughs> up, I start to get way more of those gin flavors that uh, the juniper is kind of what smacks me in the face yeah, but no, they're a high juniper gin in the first that's, place that's what's so cool is that i i feel and i could be completely wrong on this it would be, it'd be hard to do the actual experiment if you set this beer in front of me and then you put you know five local gins in front of me and you, you take all those and say all right this this beer was aged in I don't think there are five barrel aged gins in the city <laughs> no. but i think there's only one <laughs> hang hang with me for a second I, I feel like I recognize the gin flavor in this as New Riff's gin. Yeah. Um, and, and you know what's weird is it doesn't taste like they're the green label gin, which is the bourbon gin. It tastes like the blue right. label gin, which right. is the non-barrel aged gin. It's really, really good. It's fun to see how how much of that character you get into this beer, which is already like the, the other flavors of this beer, the IPA of what this is, is already really dominant. Like it's a it's a big IPA in itself. Yeah. So the fact that you can still kind of, uh, you can separate that side of the character of this beer from the gin side of this beer. I, I'll tell you when I burp it is when I get the most amount of gin. Ooh, and that's kind done, of a I weird thing, I haven't right? got the burp flavor yet. <laughs> that's... It's, that's, that's, a, that's a that's a real tasting note for me. <laughs> I um, I there are different flavors that you get on that that burp, uh, the exhale, the uh, <laughs> whatever you want to call it, um, that you do when you're when you're drinking something. And um, I haven't I haven't experienced that with this one yet, but I'll I'll let you know. <laughs> I, I, it, it's weird because I, I'm really proud of this beer. Like I didn't think I thought I didn't know what to think. I mean, honestly, when when we made this, I was like. We had hops that kind of don't go together, like Mosaic and Galaxy typically don't work together because they're kind of the, it's one or the other, you know, you don't tend to blend them. Um, And then we had Galena in there, which is just a bizarre hop to use in the first place. I think we use it in our double IPA, but in a very, very small amount, which our double IPA is really probably like a quadruple IPA, but we call it a double. Galena is more like peachy kind of flavors is that right i can't even remember it, it's been so long since i've even looked it up because i rarely i i buy a box and and like i try to figure ways to work it in and i'm glad we used it in this because yeah. i don't use the amount we used in this i don't use in and uh go hop yourself so it was kind of a weird one um, it's, a, it's a really good beer it's a it's a it's a neat beer it is um it's definitely something unlike anything that i think i've had in a while especially on the ipa front that's hard yeah. to do there's, there's 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 a few IPAs out there, um, so I'm 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 happy to be part of this in in whatever um, part I am part of this. Well, you know, it, it was really kind of you and folks. I think were the driving factors behind it, anyways. Because, I mean, and, and it's nothing against the two of you, but we've got our prospective businesses right, right, to run, right. and we're always making beer. And, and it's, we don't. It's, we just want to drink some shit. Yeah, it's on the back <laughs> of our minds, and and you know, folks especially was just kind of. A little kid tugging my shirt about it, you know, and and not to say that's a bad thing, but it was like and he, the fuck he really wanted to have this on tap for their anniversary. So. I, I feel so bad we couldn't because that was his birthday weekend too, and was, I feel so bad. It, it actually could have worked if we had just made a straight IPA, but yeah. then we started throwing all those other stuff. Well, I, I get why. And then at the end of the conversation, we were like, "Oh yeah, that was what we were trying to." Do. <laughs> well, then, Funny. sorry, but, folds. But I get why. Why Bird was insistent on the barrel too, because that's yeah. what he did. He worked at Barrel House for Braxton. But you know? it really does. Tra- I don't know that this beer, not that this, not that without the barrel, this beer isn't great because it is. But I think that that added layer really does transform this into something else that, like, kind of yeah. really does start a conversation. You could put this in front of an IPA person and be like, "Oh yeah, this is great." Like, oh, do you do you taste a little something else? And then as you start talking, oh yeah, oh yeah, I do get that. And the or, more it warms, or vice versa, too, yeah. if you have a barrel aged, you know, fan, you can put this in front of them. And be like, oh, this is this is a really crazy, different barrel aged beer than anything I've had. It's fun. It's fun. You yeah, get down here, guys. Um, just you know, well, or Braxton Barrel House or uh, Casual Pine. That's they right. all released it today. So but I, right now, I think you should come down here because uh, you know you probably haven't been here for a while. 
because or uh, ever yeah or ever depending on who you are we fly this, under the radar um get down here and, and and drink this i'll tell you what here's what you do uh you might need an uber uh just yeah, an uber for part of your trip don't uber the whole way because it's really expensive to uber from uh alexandria all the way up to hamilton but make a day out of it drink it here uh, then get up to Braxton, drink it there, and then get up to Casual Pint Hamilton and drink it there. Do, do them all. <laughs> See if they taste the same in, in, each, yeah. uh, in each environment. <laughs> Make sure we're all cleaning our lines. <laughs> See. See, which, See which place tastes the best. Um, let's, let's talk a little bit about kind of where, where you guys are at right now. Uh, the, <laughs> last, the last couple of years we've talked about on the show more than we probably should uh, have been a little, little, little crazy. Um, yeah, you, you guys, so you, you mentioned that you think sometimes you fly under the radar a little bit. Yeah, we um, do. I think, uh, you guys kind of exist in some kind of, um, some kind of bubble down here a little bit for good or bad. And, uh, sometimes the, the greater Cincinnati community doesn't think about you when they are, um, obsessing over the latest, you know, Listerman or street side movies yeah, or whatever it but, is. But to... I don't know if I really care about that, you know. No, but but that but my point is, when we're in the middle of a uh, a pandemic and you've got people trying to figure out uh, how do they support their local craft beer community. Yeah, you guys have your own community here, which yeah, which obviously is, is very supportive. Support. I mean, but I think a lot of a lot of us up in uh, in greater Cincinnati maybe didn't get down here, didn't didn't support you well, during that. And, I did, but I'm not saying us. I absolutely I absolutely understand that too though. You know, I, I understand there was a lot of fear, there was a lot of uncertainty. And and I still feel that that, that is that way. I, I I also feel like we're in a great community. And, and 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 I've always said and I've probably said it on your show before that it's an unintended consequence that this became a community center. I don't mean that in a bad way. Consequences can be good, and that's a good consequence. I just never thought we that we'd be embraced the way we are. You might have talked about it on the show, but you definitely haven't talked about it on the show since that became so a necessity, so critical to. <laughs> yeah. what, I mean, it was always it, it's so I mean, hard because it was always critical to what craft breweries are. But the last the last two years, it's been the thing that kept these places open. We we had people buying. Five eight hundred dollar gift cards from us, and we we can the minimum the maximum we can do on one gift card is five hundred, and it was just oh we're never going to use it we're just doing it to keep you guys open and, right. and you have stuff like that and it's like holy shit you know what did we didn't know that we meant this much to people like that you know and and I'm not I don't know it, it's kind of like a humbling feeling you know what I right. mean like you just don't think. I, I'm one that kind of keeps my nose to grindstone and just works away in the back room most of the time. And I do what I can to go out and thank people for coming in and, and doing what I, you know, and people happen to catch me back here. I'll put down what I'm doing if I, if I can. I, and I encourage everybody. Him. If you're in the tap room and you see him back there working, just stand at the fence and yell at him. People yell, do yell, people yell, do. yell. Thank you. And, uh, and yell the beer styles that you want don't. him to be brewing right now. <laughs> Please, please don't do that. Just stand at the fence and yell, Pilsner, Pilsner. But I, I do get people that come to the fence and, and you know, it, it's, they also under, a lot of people understand that I'm working too. And, and they'll let me get back to work if I'm, if I'm, but I always excuse myself too. I'm never right. like, fuck you, I'm busy. It's, it's, give me a second here and I'll come, I'll come answer that question. I'm in the middle of something and, and they'll hang out and wait. But, you know, I, I think that it's something that, I don't know if you get at every brewery, and, and you definitely don't get it. And, and I think that that kind of is part of the reason we've we've kind of cemented ourselves as part of Alexandria. You know, is a lot of people know me. A lot of people live in my neighborhood. You know, and, right. it, and it's it's weird when you see, um, you know, your your guy, your regular guy, walking down your street, and he comes over and asks what the next beer on tap is <laughs> while you're mowing your lawn, too. You know, and it's and and I know. I, I know some other guys, um, especially over in Fort Mitchell, that you know that's where one of them lives, and 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 he he goes through that same thing, and it's it's awesome because you've got this community that knows you, that's built up around you, and, and they they really they really embrace you, um, and and I think that that's another depth of brewing that I just I don't know I I, I want to say I never counted on it, but I just never thought it happened. You know right. what I mean? Um, especially because. It, 
we came out to Old Milwaukee's best country. Well, that's the thing. You you come into an area like this, and everybody tells you that they aren't craft beer drinkers. Like that community, uh, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be hard for you to to win them over and to uh, to convert them. You're gonna have to have something for them to drink. And okay. and we've seen time and time again that that's there is some truth to that education side of like here's here's what craft beer really is, but uh, the the quickness that people are to em- embrace a new spot that's making beer. We've seen it over and over and it doesn't well, matter what that community it can be Mount Oreb. It can be Alexandria. It can be Williamsburg. It can be, there are so many I, examples. I, I think some things that happen though too, is they've had a bad experience. They went to a brewery that's no longer around anymore. That made just bad beer. I, I think it's, I think it's more. I think it's simpler than that. I think that you'd you'd be surprised I because people somebody, come in. I don't like craft beer. Why don't you like it? Well, I had this one time at this place, and it just okay. We'll find you something you like. We make, but right now I think we've got thirteen of our own varieties on tap, right. and then I've got my ginger ale, my seltzer, and then we always carry Pivot for our cider. Um, and and it's we'll find you something, you right. know. And if you don't, we've got liquor too. It is, and then we also Great carry PBR selection. for. We won't talk about the that. very, the very, <laughs> the stubborn. Yeah, the very stubborn. That just I'm not going to like it no matter what you give me. But, um, it, it's kind of weird because there's oh that's not what I thought it was. Yeah. Why does that? And, and I'll tell you what it, the brew day that we made this beer. This this is a prime example. Andy McLeese said, "I don't like anything that's ever been made with that Quebec yeast." And I poured a beer for him. I said, what do you think about this? He's like, well, that's much better than I thought it'd be. This is made with that Quebec yeast. And that's kind of why he was, he was, and, and for those who, people who don't know what I'm talking about here, it's, it's yeast that ferments at a much higher temperature. It's a, it's a really weird yeast that uh, can ferment really, really hot. <laughs> and very quick too, without, without putting out bad flavors, which is, which is what, you know, that's, that's the biggest problem with a lot of, a lot of people that go into breweries that don't like the beer they have, a big part of that is temperature control because those breweries don't understand how important temperature control is. So going to the Quebec East, for any, uh, yeah, they've, they've said this out loud. Um, so I'm not, you know, saying anything I shouldn't, but um, almost every single beer that's coming out of Urban Artifact right now is, is brewed with Quebec East for anybody who... Well, uh, and then they're wild stuff too. Anybody, yeah. I mean, it's, it, there's other things that happen they're after, after yeah. it's, uh, it's made, but... Anybody that says, oh, I don't like any beer that's made with Quebec yeast is... Uh, well, uh, I think he just had a bad experience with it, but that's that's all it takes is one bad experience, and one bad experience outweighs seven good experiences. Right. And, and that's just facts of life. I mean, that's marketing 101. Right. Is for every one bad experience you give somebody, you've got to have seven good to make up for it. Right. Um, so you get into, like, people who say, I don't like craft beer. Well, why don't you like it? Well, I had this one, and it was god-awful. Well, you know, why did you start out with like a triple IPA, you know, or something like that instead of something to ease you more into it, like a like a Kolsch or a Blonde or, and, and that's the problem is you've got bartenders that say, well, I, f- I love this beer. This is the only yeah, thing they, I'm going to recommend yeah. to you instead of saying, what do you like? It's hard because how many people walk into a bar or a tap room and that's what they have. But what's your favorite beer? And they say, well, it doesn't matter what my favorite beer is. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, sir, but... I need more than that. I, I I can't tell you my favorite beer because I don't. I, I, you're, you might not like the same thing I like. Well, or I, or on the flip side, you know, some of us, you know, we all have styles that we like and dislike. And you know, if you get something stuck in your head that I don't like this, you're not leaving yourself open for that moment that you you might like it or right. or this version of it that is different than other ones that you you may end up liking. It's well, you shut yourself off from experimentation. I know a lot of people whose first beers were IPAs and they said, I'm never going to drink it again. And now IPAs are their favorite beer. I know a lot of people like that. And and it's just, it's one of these things where you got to, you can't just die. Most people can't just dive in head first. They've got to dip their toe in the water first and walk their way in. And, and honestly, that was something when, and this is getting kind of a little off topic, but when we interview our bartenders, that's the biggest thing we ask them is how would you say, if you don't like this beer, but somebody's asking you what you think of it, how would you answer? And then the other question that we ask them right after that is, 
okay, let's say somebody comes in, they've never been here before, they look like a 21-year-old college girl, and they say, what do you recommend? What's your answer? <laughs> and if they say the lightest thing you have or whatever, instantly they're discredited from being hired here because right. we want them to ask them questions. We right. want them to say, well, what do you like? What do you normally what drink? What do you typically because drink? My wife went into another brewery one time, and, and I'm not going to get into oh. who it was, but but she goes... Well, what do you like? And the guy goes, well, this is what I like. But I, I, for you, I'm going to recommend strawberry, our strawberry blonde or whatever it was. And she goes, I don't like that. I, I want, I'm looking for like a, a big triple or I want – Anne likes triples. Her favorite beer is 120-minute IPA by Dogfish Head. Right. So I'm like – she's like, this guy, he keeps trying to sell me a strawberry blonde. <laughs> and I don't want anything to do with that. Meanwhile – um, there are a lot of strawberry blondes that I'm in love with. And so <laughs> if I walk into that same bar, like, and they're, they're going to hand gonna me, a, they're not going to offer it to if you. If they though. hand me like a Belgian triple, I'm like, man, I, I hate those. <laughs> I want the strawberry blonde. It's bizarre though. Actually, uh, we're getting ready to do a collaboration with, and this is just I shouldn't say a I side hate triples. I, I don't need more guys. I, you, you've, you've kind of overcome that. Yeah. It's, it's one of the, it's perfect example of it, of, of things that are in my head. That for so long. What's that bubble gum that you've never really liked with it? I yeah, think. There, there's a lot of things that I, you know, just that over, that over yeasty character thing that is going on. But you like a heafy bison. <laughs> but, but now, um, but now there's other parts of it that I really do enjoy. So, so, uh, we're, we're doing a collaboration with darkness. And it's on my next order, so I'm thinking it's going to probably be middle to end of October that we actually brew it. And if anybody's seen Beer Fest, we're calling it She-Wolf. <laughs> and and the, the funny part about it is is that it's going to be a strawberry blonde, but it's an imperial strawberry blonde. I think it's going to finish at about 14%. Okay, that's the first time that that has ever been brewed. <laughs> it, imperial but strawberry blonde. Eric and I always joke about it. You know, it's our strawberry blonde. It's called She-Wolf. It's all right. <laughs> that's, a, that's what they say in the movie. So we always say it's, it's all right. So we're calling that one She Wolf, and then we're doing one in the in the spring called He Wolf, which is just a regular strawberry blonde. He Wolf, um, and it's just kind of a play on the whole thing that the fact that they called the it She Wolf with it being idea, yeah. yeah. Uh, I there there are still. It's amazing that you know sometimes we feel like craft beer has come so far, and it has um, from from where it started. And then you take a step back and you really look at where it's at right now and some of those things that are still going on. It's like, oh man, yeah, yeah. God, wait, like we still have so far to go. And well, even like, how many guys out there that walk into a, how many how many guys walk into this tap room and are afraid to order a, a, a fruited something or other? Oh yeah, because there's somebody sitting there at the bar. Like, oh, oh, I'm not gonna like I, that. I, That's I immediately what they say. That. Well, let That's, me try. It's a girl beer. I can't and meanwhile, that. the guy that they're afraid of is drinking the exact same thing yeah, too. That's the other problem. It, it. I don't know. I my thing is, and I've always said it: as long as it's a a beer done right, I'm gonna like it. I don't care what style it is. And I shouldn't say that because I'm not a big fan of amber because I don't like amber beer right. at all. Um, not fail, uh, An Irish red, which kind of goes hand in hand with an amber. I mean, I'll drink them every now and then, but I, I prefer uh, a nitro version of an Irish red than than a regular Irish. A what version? Nitro. Okay. okay. Um, just because it, it kind of, I'm just not, I'm not big on them, you know, and, yeah. and it, your American amber tends to be a little bit more hoppy, but right. the whole whole reason an amber exists anyways is Anheuser-Busch did a study on why their red beer wasn't selling, which was a Michelob beer. And they did the Nielsen, which anybody who knows TV knows what a Nielsen report is. And essentially men don't like term. They don't like the word red. They don't right. mind the color red. They right. just don't like the word red. So they reinvented it as amber. Right. And, and that's where amber comes from. That's why it's an amber instead of an American red beer. Um, and Red Dog kind of held on to that for a while. I don't even know if they're still around anymore, though. I think they are. It, it, I, I don't it know the last time I've seen it, but I feel like it's still around. It, and it wouldn't surprise me if it is, honestly. Yeah. I mean, but that was one that, like, it, it kind of hit the mark at the same time. Killian's hit the mark and all those other red beers. They Michelob did a red ale. Then they it's, did. it's also interesting, you know, Killian's, you know, without that Irish red. Yeah. If it was Killian's red it probably wouldn't sell the same way that Killian's Irish red would because 
as Americans, we, we latch on to some kind of, um, uh, some kind of uh, heritage to things that we, you know, think that, you know, that we're we, from. Yeah, you know, we're, we're quote unquote from. Yeah, <laughs> you know, so uh, Irish red or German this or you yeah. know, whatever, whatever it may be. Like we we latch on to those things, and I think that's that's why Killians can get away with still using the word yeah. red. Yeah, and I think you're right. I, I think it's why it's still a brand. Yeah, but there's also Beamish Irish red, and and but. But it's in a whole different category. Yeah, yeah. But Beamish is so much better. <laughs> there, there are so many. If you go to the quote unquote import aisle of your favorite store, which is a whole other discussion that uh, probably deserves more attention one of these days. Um, Maybe you should it, talk to TJ over at Jungle Gems. Get him other, on one time. Um, I, I've gotten really mad sometimes. We'll, I mean, we'll go ahead. We'll go down that rabbit hole a little bit. Um, you walk into the import aisle uh, today, and now I'll, I'll use Jungle Gems as my example because that's my local store. I shop there all the time. I'm not calling you guys out because you're doing something wrong. You're just my spot. Uh, it, I what, what I don't know what percentage to throw on this, but the amount of beers in that import aisle that are brewed in the United States is staggering. I'm gonna put it at I'm gonna put it at like twenty percent of the actual bottles of beer that are on that shelf um, that are that are not you can't stop I, I can't. you can't stop I'm looking at this I'm can't. trying not to <laughs> you just can't help it it's a merry-go-round right now it just looks exhausting <laughs> it really does how does he have this energy so Andy's Andy's son his his youngest uh, is currently running laps around a portion of the tap room uh, running up a set of stairs to the stage uh, leaping off the stage and then continuing around and not stopping. And this is after he had a soccer game today, right? Like, aren't you supposed to yeah. run a bunch in soccer? Yeah, Shouldn't and he, he runs tired? a lot in soccer. Shouldn't he be tired? Well, he absolutely <laughs> should be, but this is welcome to owning a boy, right? Oh, finally got a little tired. <laughs> no, he just fell. He's going to keep going. Uh, it's it's <laughs> kids. Um, if we could if we could extract whatever that is that does that for kids. Oh man, I I, I wish I still had that energy. I, I'd be a lot skinnier, that's for sure. <laughs> Forgot where I was going with the import discussions. <laughs> Most of the imports that we find on shelves are not really imports, and yeah. that that drives me crazy. That they're on a shelf with a label above them that says imported when they're not imported. Well, I think it's a misunderstanding of the category in general. You know, I mean, but the problem is if you put Irish red on it, people are going to assume it's brewed in Ireland. It, it, it goes on to the same, like when you walk into like a, uh, name, name a good chain, a TGI Fridays, you know, and they're like, oh, good, good news, you know, today's Friday and on Fridays, all of our domestic beers, you know, they're uh, $2, $2 domestic beers. I'm like, perfect. You know, you know, what's your, I guess, TGI Fridays is a bad example because I don't think they have, no, they probably have truth. Uh, well, I'll take a truth. Yeah, then, you know, that's, that's a craft beer. And I said, well, that's, you know, okay. You know, what's, what is domestic? What is imported? What is craft? What is, what is, you know, these categories that people have decided to call things is, is maddening to me. There's well, nothing more domestic than the, the brewery that's well, down the street from you. This is so we got in. I, I, I decided to go down a hole that I knew better than to go down, right? Right. We had some, we had a private event here last night. It, it was a big event. And, you know, it was a 40th birthday party. Awesome. Happy birthday. But, and, and don't get me wrong, it's, it's not that we don't, we, we had groups that have never been here before, though. When it, usually we do we just, right, these right. private events, we get people that have never been to a craft brewery in general. Do you guys have anything domestic? And and I go, Everything. it's all domestic. <laughs> like, well, what about regular beer? I go, it's all regular beer. Well, what about Bud Light? And I go, well, that's not domestic. And and she goes, yeah, it is. I go, no, it, it's it's owned in 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 Holland. I'm like, you know, I, I don't know what yeah. you want me to tell you here. You know, it's not a, it's not a domestically owned product. I'm more domestic than they are. You yeah, know that that. <laughs> <laughs> that, that that vocabulary to describe things really yeah. really gets under my skin. I mean, I I get that you know the Bud Light that we're probably drinking here is probably brewed in Columbus. It probably the, the, the Miller yeah. Light that we're drinking here is probably brewed in Trenton. Yeah, um, but you can't say, especially if, you know if you live down the street from Alexandria here and you walk in, uh, the most domestic beer that you can get is Alexandria beer. <laughs> Well, it's, it's like saying I own a Toyota. It was built in Kentucky, but, you know, it's American made. It's not. It's nobody, American assembled, no, it, maybe. It, it, nobody calls 
Toyota an American company and nobody should be calling Bud Light or Budweiser an American company. But the problem is that they've worked so hard to make themselves America's beer. It becomes a brand, though. It becomes, yeah. it becomes like a, a, a marketing thing from these companies, which I get and I respect in some degree. Well, if I'm Budweiser, yeah, I, I want to name my beer America and I want to scream, that, hey, this is America's beer. That's That's fine. But if I'm a store... If I'm the person that's supposed to be educating my consumers and telling them what things are, Anheuser Busch products. I'm all sorry, be like in I'm the not, imports though. Yeah, but I'm not. But I'm not. I'm not going to say that Budweiser is more domestic than a local craft brewery. Right. It, there's there's well, no it, possible it, way that it's I can, the whole I can point make sense that they of that call it. Head. It's called craft in general. I mean, it, it should just be if if you're talking like in zones like like in Jungle Gyms is not. Big on putting a sign that says craft. Right. Their book gets saying American, and then when they get into American, they it's, they it, it's Southern. They they put it by region, right? No, the, the Jungle Gyms does a great job of you know you have macro brands, which I think is still yeah. a good way to describe it. I, I um, think that's the best way to in describe that it. aisle. You know, it's it's big, quote unquote normal beer. You know, you'll probably even find garage beer and things like that in that same aisle of those. They know that if you're looking for this type of beer, this is where you're going to look right, for right. it. And they're good at that. But, you know, the import versus domestic versus and that just gets under my skin. Well, but but again, they don't they don't label it. They've got America and it's, they do it's label import, five though. or six shelves, but then they've got they got import. Yeah. And that's where. But but I think the thing is, is that. If you're a store trying to sell it, you manage it to consumer expectations, sure. not to not to consumer education. But wasn't there a lawsuit a couple of years ago with Bex? Uh, somebody sued Bex. Und Bex. <laughs> Und Bex. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they, they 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 sued them because all of the marketing on that package was talking about it was a German beer, German this, yeah. German yeah. that, and it's not brewed in Germany. If you're buying Bex here, if you walk into Jungle Gyms and grab a six pack of Bex, guess what? It's it's made in Texas, I think. Yeah, I, I think it's you're not, right. It's not well, it's like not German beer. It's, so it's, it's, there's there's it's weird Bex, stuff but, like that though. But too, Bex but, is no more a German beer than your German Hefeweizen that you've got on tap. It's, it's mine no might be more, more German because it, I, I'm it's German, no, but it's <laughs> it's no more German. And like, and you're not claiming that that's an imported beer. It's because no, it's not. It's not. <laughs> and so well, but, either is Bex. But the th the thing is, is like if you tell, Bex. But the other the other one is Warsteiner, right? Which is made in Germany. Landfill? Oh, sorry, I'm, now I'm stuck on beer fest. Yeah, <laughs> but, but it, it's made in Germany, and, and for a long time, Hopper House's lagers were all made in Germany because right. they refused to let to right. give up that control to Newport. And in packaging, it still is. Yeah, in packaging, it always will be. Yeah, if you if you walk into Jungle Gyms and grab a six pack of Hofbrau House, or Hofbrau, uh, it's made in Germany, and it's going to be skunky and, and not great. Well, it's because it sat on a ship for however right. long, but but they. They insisted before they gave the reins, and and if I'm if I remember right, because I talked to the brewers in uh, Pennsylvania soft bar house or Pittsburgh soft bar house, all their beer comes from New, all their lagers come from Newport. Yeah, so uh, the ownership group of we're getting really yeah, we're really getting deep, deep here, and I, I I could be wrong on some of this. The ownership group of well, so could I um, too, and that's Newport's Hofbrau House also owns several Hofbrau houses. So the... I think uh, they own all the United States ones. I don't think then, it's all of them anymore. I think okay. that, I think there are some that have a different ownership. But uh, the head brewer at Newport's Hofbrau house, uh, Conrad, uh, is the head brewer for a handful, we'll call it that, because I don't want to give a number, because I, I have not done my research lately. Uh, well, I, I think Chicago, Vegas, and Pittsburgh are all part of that same group. Uh, but I'm not saying he's the head brewer for him, but I know he's there he is, does all their loggers. I'm fairly confident that uh, Columbus and Cleveland are also in that whole... It, it, it's very complicated, guys. It is. <laughs> well, it's a chain now, and, and it, it, it was never really... When Hopperow franchised into Newport in the first place, it was never really meant to be a chain. It wasn't. It was, and, a... and, and it's just what happened. Um, and then I get it because it was it was a fantastic success here in Cincinnati. And I know we Newport. call it it's Newport, but it's it's considered <laughs> the whole reason they did it, it was, is because it was, we're Cincinnati. Uh, behind the scenes, it was supposed to be in Cincinnati, but as everything seems to go with Cincinnati, uh, Kentucky was way more uh, accepting to uh, to let them. Uh, <laughs> open up a business and make it happen and 
they built an entire entertainment district around it and uh, created Newport on the levee and it was a smashing success that would have not happened at that time uh, if they wanted to open at the banks or uh, the banks which didn't exist at the time. Um, so uh, Cincinnati is the sister city to Munich, uh, which is why uh, originally and, and still, depending on how you consider Newport, why it exists here. It was the first yeah, well, house in the I United mean, States. It, it's really, it's really because Cincinnati. I can't edit that one out. I know you can't. <laughs> It doesn't matter. You're not going to edit any of it anyway. <laughs> probably, I'll probably forget. Hey, John, g- give me one second. John, John, we're going to go get something as soon as we're done. Okay, buddy? Blah, blah, blah. We're almost done. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. <laughs> should have given him a microphone. Uh, we really should have. Although the conversation, he'd no, come but, out of his But mind. he could have sat there and just kept talking the whole time, and I could have just cut that whole microphone yeah, out. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> okay, buddy. I understand. We're going to go soon, okay? Just calm down. <laughs> calm. Yes, we are. Okay. So, anyways, we, we've we always kind of had, and it was like the development of Over the Rhine. We've always been a Bavarian town. Sure. I mean, not, we can say Germantown all we want, but we've really been a Bavarian town oh, yeah. the whole time. Um, and, and it goes, and, and this is kind of weird, but Anne, my wife, Anne, her... Uh, her father, when he was born, he was born to a farm that was in over the Rhine. That's cool. Pig farmers. That's cool. And they moved out here because his oldest brother, Dutch, had breathing problems. And they had the doctor recommended that they move to the country because the smog was so bad. So um, going on the pig farm thing. So there yeah. used to be lots of pig farms around Cincinnati. That's why that's, you know, the swine, it's swine, swine City, which is a brand. That's a whole other thing. Uh, you know, why, why, you Porkopolis. Know, pig, pig, why, Porkopolis, why, why pigs are such a big part of Cincinnati. Um, there used to be the big, uh, cons plant over on Spring Grove. And uh, historically you would, you would have these other, you would have these farms around Cincinnati and they would march the pigs from those farms through the city over to to cons to slaughter uh, uh, to, li- to, li- to live out the last part of their life, <laughs> and if Ugh. you if you walk around uh, some parts of over the Rhine and some parts around Cincinnati, they're like these little uh, tiny iron fences. They're not very tall; they're just a couple feet tall. And the the reason that they exist was was to keep the pigs out of people's yards. It's yeah. not to keep people out of like th- that's why they're so <laughs> that's short. That's why, so why they're so cheaper. They're, they're pig fences, yeah. you guys. Uh, trivia. It, yeah, but but that's it, it's weird to know that that's what happened. And they came out here and they became tobacco farmers. But but you know you you think about that. Her dad joined the joined the army right after um, or during Korea, and they wanted to send him because his brother Dutch, the older brother, was already in Korea. Right. So basically, they sent him to Germany. And then he fell in love with Bach, and he <laughs> like till the day he died, he asked me about Bach beer. So as soon as you know, our, our contribution to him was our first Bach that we made. Not not the Doppelbach that we make, but right. the Doppelbach. But it was the uh, it was the regular Bach that we made. We called it the farmer after Where's him. My I to- it's at the table right over there. At the corner right behind the chain, buddy. Sorry. <laughs> um but uh but you know, I, I we've kinda gone but th- that's that's what it is. My my grandfather was uh now, they were kind of a weird situation. The other table, on the other side. Go down the other side, sorry. My, my <laughs> grandfather was, um, was German, but my mom's side was English Germans. So they fled, because they were Catholics, they fled England during uh, what, Henry, Henry VIII. Is that when? Oh, is that, I'm bad about history. Yeah, I, I think it's Henry VIII that, that, that started the Church of England. And they fled because Germany was more accepting of Catholics, even though the Lutherans were going at right, that point. Right. But there was a second exodus. I and, need to get in your truck, Dada. Okay, I'll unlock it. There was a second exodus in Germany of Catholics being afraid, and that's kind of where Cincinnati kind of uprooted. At least that's my understanding of, right. of the German. That's when it became a German town. Well, it's, it, Instead uh, of, I, I mean, I've read the settling so stories now. and everything. So I know, um, like my ancestry 
was definitely like um, uh, northwestern Germany. Yeah. And at the time that they started coming over, it was very much in, in, in line with the time that a lot of people from England were coming over, too. Yeah. So somehow there's I don't, I don't know. Where. Well, but but you're talking on we're Ancestry. talking com. we're talking hundreds of years later after right. the English exodus of Catholics was the the German exodus. I gotcha. mean, there's a big there's a big gap there. Um I want to say it was the 1800s, but I could be mistaken. Yeah, I think I think my my people, my people came over like uh 17 early 1700s, maybe mid 1700s. But the, but the know. My understanding is the thing about Cincinnati is the water chemistry was like exactly like the German, the Bavarian yeah. water chemistry. And yeah. that's beer was the reason Cincinnati kind of thrived because it was a good place for brewers to kind of settle. Makes sense. There's, there's a lot of rabbit holes we could go down there with. Uh, we, we need some historical people on yeah. to, to, to talk yeah, about I, that. But again, like, I, I might be talking on my ass right now. This is all just my understanding. The rise of, of, of lager in Cincinnati is fascinating to me because we don't yeah. really know where the first one happened in right. town. Like there's, you know, there are well, a lot of we, we know where that, the first brewery happened in town, but yeah, that's kind of, no, but even that we don't, like, well, there's a, there's a debate. There's, but, there's a debate there, but like there are places that claim that they had lager beer, but were they brewing something that they were trying to replicate what they had heard lager was like? And then there were places that had tunnels, but then there's, there's no, uh, there's no record of them actually having a beer that was, a lager beer. So what, what the, it's, it's really, really, yeah, really confusing. It's, it's all, well, I, I read that. We've gone way off. Yeah. Track. Okay. So let's bring it back. <laughs> um, so we made a pretty good beer. I think <laughs> it's not a lager. It's not, it's not, not a German lager. It's at definitely all. an ale. It's a, it's an English style, but it's, you know, the Americanized <laughs> bastard, bastard version of, I don't but know where we go with it. That. Does, well, it does. Well, it might be an English style it because it's got gin. In it. It's got some marisotter and some gin in it. It's, it's a yeah, very English-ish uh, uh, sort of. <laughs> I am. Um, I am. There is something about so collaborations in general. I think are really important right now in this evolution of of what craft beer is. We. I was talking earlier with with Bird when he was here about. Uh, Kind of beer I love that dude, by the way. Beer releases such a great guy. And, and, and how they've kind of lost the steam that they had. And um, <laughs> on, on top of that. I, I don't want to cut you off here, but I'm going to cut you off. Out here, they haven't. Now, today might be the exception, but normally we put a beer release out, but it, it, it's because this is all new to the people right, out here. Right. You know? Okay, sorry. Go but ahead. With in, what in this bigger picture yeah, yeah, of, you're right. of craft you're 100% beer, right. beer releases aren't what they were. Uh, five years ago, or you know, whenever you want to, you put your peg in of, of the the pinnacle of all of that stuff. Um, collaborations have, have have they petered off for a while, and um, I feel like right now we are primed to start bringing some of that stuff back. As far as people getting together to create a beer and creating kind of uh, that excuse, maybe to celebrate a release of a beer. It's, yeah. it's about something different than just another beer being released. That was like one of the things that I think kind of cemented my foundation in craft beer, if that makes any sense. Like, you know, I, I, I'd like, I'd hope that everybody who's into craft beer drank it beforehand and that's, you know, something attracted them to it, whether right. to, whether it's homebrewing, whether it's whatever. Um I remember my my favorite two breweries were Dogfish Head and uh, Three Floyds, and then I was also a big fan of uh, of um, what is it Dark Horse up there in Michigan, yeah. and uh, like those were probably my top three of of any given time. And then I remember Dogfish Head, Three Floyds, and one other brewery came together and they did Daddy. Papa Skull, and, and it was not it was not that's yours. It wasn't a good, it wasn't a great beer, but I was just so excited that they got together and they made a beer. And um, I feel like there's, you know, that that's kind of lost its its weight yeah. because nobody, you know, there, there's a lot of people that, that have this attitude of, well, if it doesn't help us, what's the point of it? There's a lot of people that have the attitude of, um, well, we got a production schedule, we can't possibly fit anything in. And, and you know... This, I, I think part of my thing is, is I, 
I think of us all as like we're fighting the enemy here of being yeah. macro, if, yeah. if that makes sense. So, so I don't know, man. I'm, you you put you put you just if you take a group of these people that are that are out there making this beer day to day and running these breweries. And it's really easy to get caught up in the day-to-day of, of oh. running a brewery or making the beer. Oh, and, and then there's margins and everything like that, that you've got profits that you have to be making, and et cetera, if, et cetera. If you're able to uh, to take this big hand and grab them by their collar and pick them up and drop them somewhere else just for an, a, a, an afternoon and be like, hey, just hang out here for a minute. Like, just stand right here. You don't really have to. You don't have to like make this beer. Just hang you out. You have to be in a picture, and that's hang, about it. Hang out with somebody else while they're making this beer, and talk about it, and just just be part of that 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 little community right now. I think that that's really really good for craft beer, and we have to we have to find ways to like to do that to to, to pick well, people up and drop them in, in somewhere else. I think at the beginning it was kind of like punk rock or death metal, you know, like. This is what we're doing. We're fucking. We're we're pioneers. We're going crazy. But then it's a great example, though. So I remember I remember punk shows as a kid. Uh, I, I assume some of you guys listening to this were were were, were punks when you were growing up. Uh, you you were fans of kind of that underground feeling of music, and you would go to a show, and there was there was a big band. There was that 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 band that traveled in from another city, and they were a big deal, and there were everybody showed up for them. And then there were these other kind of little bands that got on that bill. Yeah. And partway through the show, uh, there were people and they were kind of talking and kind of not paying attention. And so that other band, their lead singer would run out on stage and, you know, grab the microphone and get in on it and, and then start singing along to the songs. And it, all of a sudden, like everybody start, oh, hey, hey, there, that's that guy. Like yeah. that's that's who we're here. To, and then they kind of get back into it then. And that that reengages people and brings them back into that um, that that atmosphere and that feeling, and I, th- I think that that's a lot of what collaboration. Well, but but I, I guess where I was kind of going with that though is is at the beginning, craft beer was like punk rock. It, it wrote its own rules, right? Well, then you got to a point where, well, Jesus Christ, we're a fucking business. We're not just here to write <laughs> our own rules and do whatever the hell we want. Yeah. So what are we going to do? And and I think it it became more about the numbers than it did about. David and Goliath, and, and and I always look at the brewery toppling Goliath. Their name alone is all about just taking down Anheuser Busch, yeah. right? I I like that spirit. I like the fact that they're saying this is who we got to face. We screw everybody else. This is this is our bad guy. But they're a great example of a of a brewery that the whole brand is built around toppling Goliath. Yeah, and you look at them now, and they to a lot of people are another form of Goliath. You need you need somebody to go in, and I'm using them as the example just because their name is perfect because you brought yeah, them up. Yeah. You need somebody to, to to go into that place and grab the microphone and be like, get the younger guy yeah, on here's, the stage. With here's them, who we know? are too, and here's yeah. or you need them to come down to another smaller guy right. and get get on stage with them. And which that's, is which is a little harder to do though. <laughs> but that's where the path is kind of veered in craft because it was. It used to be Three Floyds was collaborating with the yeah. most random of bands, and it, but but, and I'm not trying to put them on spot either because I I love I still love Three Floyds. They're they're, you know I, I got to say mine's my favorite because I'm attached to it. But next to us, it's it's Three Floyds for me, right. and 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 they used to you know it seems like even the band collaborations with them are down. There's a bottom line now, and and the problem is is that when you get to a certain point, you're not running a punk show anymore right. you're running metallica for 200 dollars a ticket you know and i'm not you you know what i'm saying i, I mean exactly not that metallica saying, yeah. doesn't put on a good show but yeah, it depends what night you go <laughs> but <laughs> shout out to metallica but <laughs> I, uh, no 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 shade thrown that way <laughs> i i actually just saw them at uh, louder than life twice and and the second set was best i've ever seen him i've probably seen him 13 times and that was by far it might have been one of the best concerts of my life. They did the Black album back to front after they came out and opened with... <laughs> I Sorry, I'm off topic here, but it was fantastic. I'm not trying to put down Metallica right, right, at right, all, right. but but I Tool that's on in the... Well, it, this is Perfect Circle on in the background right now, but it doesn't matter. Tool is my all-time favorite band. Like Their stage presence, their show, everything behind it is phenomenal, right? But do you think at the beginning, Henry Rollins is on... 
is on their first their first studio album really i mean they had a, they had an ep before that but and then th- james maynard keenan is on uh zach he's on rage against the machines first album right they used to the collaboration thing now yeah. they're a fu- they're a corporate giant now and and you know my my brothers and i saw them in 2019 and we counted the number of semi trucks and i think we were up to like 25 or something like that just to pack up their show right so think about that kind of monster that they got going on there but but i thought what was cool about them is they brought out now they didn't do it in indianapolis but when they did it in cincinnati and i i can't not i can't remember the name of the band because i did not like what they did at all there was kind of like a angry version of the cure it's not the point though no but but they brought that band out with them right and that instantly gave that band credit Right. He brought the lead singer out, sung a song with him, and he played piano. With, he played keyboard during one of Tool's songs, and that's that's saying a lot. You right. know what I mean? It's it's basically saying, listen, we like the band that we put on tour with us. Yeah, that's the reason it's there. If, and if you trust us, try this. Yeah, you may not like it, but just try it. And I think that that's to me collaborations and uh, even in a lot of ways beer festivals and things like that. Like that's that's a big part of what it's about. Is like. If you trust us, try this. Yeah, you know, like these are these are people that we like hanging out with, and we think that what they do is uh, something that uh, that you might like too. Just try it. Exactly, and, and I know that that was a long analogy to get to where well, we're at. I, I, but, I you hope know. people are understanding where we're going with it. We've <laughs> we've had beers in the in the latest <laughs> terms of Cincy Brewcast. We've had beers. Uh, a rising ship raises all tides, in the words of uh, Danny. Love you, Danny. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it, it's just, and, and I, I, I love the fact that we were able, one, to get this many breweries involved. Because I, I, I kind of felt gypped at Big Sis this year, if I'm being honest. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it I, yeah, it was I, great I, to see everybody. I blame COVID. I blame COVID. So. I, yeah, and it, but I, it was great to see the people we saw. But at the same time, it, it wasn't the it's same. A, it's a shadow of what, yeah. what it should be. Yeah, and, and I'm also glad that we made the decision that we made to, to where we're going to bring it next year. And I think that committee and everything like that going forward is the way to do it. Anybody doesn't know what we're talking about. Um, <laughs> we haven't talked about that at all yet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there's going to be a, a, a small big sis committee that just kind of forms, you know, we get breweries. We hope that they apply to be part of it. We'll put it out every year. And um, we'd like to get it, get it back to where it was because yeah. when it was here, even though I screwed it up twice, two years in a row, <laughs> they're both good beers. Yeah. But even though it, it got screwed up twice here, we had the biggest collaboration we've had with it, especially the second year. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we had like 20 something. That second year was can, amazing. Yeah. And, and I, I, I don't know what happened and, and I know, you know, I, I know exactly what happened. COVID. COVID. Well, COVID COVID's a giant part of it, but even the first year at municipal, we had, triple what we had this year you know and and i'm again i'm not trying to i'm not trying to throw shade at the people that were involved in it collaboration um just that that idea of of bringing craft beer or craft beer community back to that thing that made us all fall in love with it well is, it's really important to me yeah and and, and as we we're going to really beat a dead horse here with it, but it, it's basically saying we know we know who the fight's against. Right. It, it's not against each other, and it should never be against each other. It should be against... It, I, maybe it will be against each uh, other one for, day. Except for Paradise. They're growing really fast. I'm really worried about them. I think that they <laughs> leave, might be the enemy. <laughs> leave Paradise alone. They're good guys. Gotta call somebody out just for the fun nah, of it. No, no. They're... they're I love Jeff. And I if you guys Andy. haven't been out to Paradise, get out to Paradise and uh, stay tuned for their expansion into Williamsburg, which is going to be awesome when they get done. When, when it happens, keep, it's keep scrubbing, guys. It's going to be, a, <laughs> yeah, it's a work in progress. I, I love those guys, and I, I, I feel we we will be out there in the near future to talk kind of about that expansion and what they're doing. But um, in the meantime. Be concerned. They might be the bad guy. We don't know. They're, they're not. They're, the they're growing guy. really big. That's a big they're expansion. Never you guy. never know. No. They don't listen to the show even. I don't think Jeff listens. Jeff, if you a- listen. Andy might. If you, if you listen, Jeff, you're the bad guy. <laughs> He's going to look at you like. Somebody's going to walk into that tap room and be like, did you hear since you broadcast? <laughs> I hope they can understand it. that it's sarcasm. They will. They're, they're the most sarcastic group of people that yeah, I've met. They but, might be. Uh, 
We're, we're at our time. That's that's a show, guys. <laughs> I don't know what we accomplished. I don't know what we talked about. I don't know what just happened. Uh, it was fun. Um, if, like I said earlier, uh, get get here to try this beer, but also get out to uh, to Braxton. Uh, he said Barrel House is where it's on tap. Yeah, they got it at uh, Barrel House, and get, then, they, then got it at Casual Pint Hamilton. Get out to, to 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 Braxton. Get out to Casual Pint. Try this beer and uh, and talk about it loudly. There's some really fun other stuff that I've got in the works that I'm I can't talk about yet, um, as far as this whole idea of collaboration and uh, what that means. I might even get in trouble for saying that much, but um, if you if, if if you like craft beer. Just go to a craft brewery. Just go there. Some place that you may probably that a place you haven't been before. Go there, sit at the bar and have a beer and just enjoy yourself and just embrace this community that really does still exist. And, and try something new too. Yeah, try something that you, you think try something that you think you don't like because guess what? You might like it one day. And if you like what I do on this show, Go to the gnarly slash support. And um, that's how you support. That's, that's how you support the show um, easiest or buy some swag or whatever it may be. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, get out, have a beer, uh, support your local craft breweries, support the gnarly gnome because uh, there are really fun things that are already in the works for a uh, short term. We're working on some longer term things that are going to be awesome. And if you haven't already, Get your tickets for our first beer festival. I'm, I'm helping throw a beer festival. Uh, it's called Beer, Booze, and Bonks. Go to thegnarlygnome.com slash tickets for that. And just support this local community, guys. Uh, it's, it's, it's awesome. <laughs> Sensi Brewcast. It's the voice of Sensi Craft. 